Welcome to the Saving Grace Adventist Church Sermon Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed by the Word of God. And let us turn to a scripture reading. This way I won't let you, I won't ask you to stand again. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 22 to 29. 1 Samuel 17, 22 to 29. I'm reading from the New King James Version. The Bible said, And David, let, and David left, his, left his supplies with the supply keeper and ran to the army and came and greeted his brothers. Then as he talked with them, there was a champion, a Philistine, Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistine. And he spoke according to the word, the same words, so David heard him. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who have come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him... The king will enrich with great riches, which will give him his daughter and his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Mercy. Then David spoke to the man who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and take away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the army of the living God. And the people answered him in the same manner, saying, So shall it be done for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, when he heard, when he heard David spoke to the men, Eliab's anger was arose against David. And he said, Why did you come down here? And with whom did you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride. I know your insolence of your heart. For you have come down here to see the battle. David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? May the Lord continue to add his blessing to the reading of this holy word. Let us pray. Eternal Heavenly Father, your written word is placed on the podium to become your spoken words. Father, I am but your feeble clay. Use me like never before. Touch my lips, my brain, my memory, and everything that it will take to present this message to us, your people, that this message will find a resting place in all of our hearts. In Jesus' holy and humbling name we ask. Amen. You may be seated. Vision for victory. Vision for victory. A coach of a football team was asked by a talented football fan, how is it that a strong and talented team like yours 
lost a game against such a soft opponent. The coach replied, we lost before we got to the field. We lost in the locker room. You see, if you look at the defeat, it is not because the opponents were better. It is not because they have a better game plan. It is not because they have home field advantage or because some, someone predicted the odds against the favorite. The fan continue. Then, so what happened, coach? What happened? The coach reiterated before the team put their jerseys on or even before they stepped on the field, before the coin was tossed, or before the ball was kicked, they had already lost the game. They lost before the game began. They lost in the locker room. You see, this concept is not only true to football games, but it is also true in the life of ministry. Oftentimes, fights are won or lost before the battle begins. It was said that how one comes to the battle, how one comes for the battle, determine how he will do in the battle. The success of a struggle is determined before the struggle begins. The result of the test is oftentimes determined before the first question on the test. The outcome of the evangelistic campaign is decided before the campaign begins. This can make the difference between reaping and weeping. What you bring to the battle oftentimes determines what happens on the battlefield. For how you go in and how you begin can determine what happened to you. That is what you, that, that is what you bring to the situation will determine if you get through the situation. Stay with me. This concept is crucial to those of us who are called to be co-laborers with Christ and is never more made plain as in the story, the battle of David and Goliath. The Bible said that the battle was set. The Philistine, most dreaded and hateful enemy of God, gathered once again to make war with the army of Israel. They had stationed themselves on opposite sides of the valley of Elah. The Philistine, the Philistine on one side and the Israelites on the other. Rather than engaging in a traditional warfare or battle, the Philistines said, sent, sent, sent their champion Goliath, Goliath of God, into the valley to participate in a one-on-one -on -one combat. This overgrown figure is big, bad, and battle-tested. He is tall and fearful and has the testimony of terror. For thousands have fallen at the hands of Goliath's sword. 
The word of God said he comes down to the valley of Eli every day for 40 days. Look down at the army of Israel and challenge them. Send me a man who can fight. And if he beats me, we will be your servant. But if I whooped him, you Israelite will serve us. Send me a man. It's amazing to note that the enemy of God came down in the presence of the people of God for 40 days and spoke great word of blasphemy against the God of heaven. He dared and declared to them, send me a man so that we may fight. And the records declare that nobody, absolutely no one, came out to speak truth to power our power to the truth. No one in the Israelite camp cried out against the injustice of the day. No one to speak out against gossip and backbiting. No one to speak out against sexism in the church. No one to speak out against racial profiling. No one to speak out about disrespecting. Or no one to speak out against children idolatry. No one to call for the removal of unofficial barriers that hold in the work of God hostage. For 40 days, look high, look low, search all over, just couldn't find no one to take up the challenges for strong leadership. My brothers and sisters, it is a sad day when the Goliaths of our day blasphemes the name of the Most High God and the armies of the living God has nothing to say. Oh, it's a sad day when we allow the Goliaths of the day to come into God's church and to dictate what they want or else. Oh, it's a sad day while the armies of God sits down with their hands Claps. It's a sad day when the armies of God can't call sin by its right name. Oh, it's a sad day to sit down and let anything go. Or even have nothing to say. Why? Because we're too busy talking about women's ordination and drums in the church. It's a sad day when we are contending together in boardroom fighting over things that have no salvaric bearing and vision and mission focus. But thank God for the 41st day, will you say amen? David, a little lad, God has provided someone, anointed David, David the little shepherd boy, David the harp player, David, the curious and fearless little lad. David, the shepherd boy who wrestled with lions and bear and won. So hear me now. It was not what David took from the valley that won the fight, but what David took to the valley that brought giants down. It is not what you find 
in this worship service, but what you bring to this worship service. It is not what you find in the field, but what you bring to the field that will make a difference. At this point, and this point is highlighted in the conversation that David had before he slayed the giant. His conversation provides insight that uncovered that he had concealed weapon that got him the victory in the valley. The first weapon to uncover is that David had a vision for victory. He was ready to get something done. Notice in the text that David had something that the other soldiers didn't share. You know, there are all kinds of people on the battlefield of life. You have people that make things happen, people who watch things happen, and people who wonder what happened. Here is where, why it is important. When David arrives on the scene, the soldiers were talking to themselves. They did their research and found out that he has a resume, he Goliath, that he was a fighter from his youth. And many people were slain by the hands of Goliath. They talk about the sword that Goliath carries. That the spear and the sword was iron. Why is this important? That the pointy part of the sword weighs 15 pounds, signifying that this was no ordinary soldiers. You see, back then, they were in the Bronze Age, if you know anything about technology. And now Goliath and the Philistine has now moved over to the Iron Age. So they were superior in, 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 in fighting weapon, weaponry. Just like today, you see all these, you know, sophisticated machines that they're rolling out in the armies. And every, so on, every, every now and again, one pops up. And you're wondering, what is going on? You see, Israel was still using bronze weaponry, but the Philistine had crossed over into the new age of technology, technology fighting. They were now in the iron age of new technology. The Israelite soldiers were caught in things and conversation that were not going anywhere. Listen to me, church. These were members of the army of the living God. How can you be on the Lord's side? And are afraid of an uncircumcised Philistine. How easy and quickly they forget that the God that God has delivered them in time past. It was that same God who delivered them from slavery to freedom. It was God who led them with a pillar of cloud by day and pillar of fire by night. It was God who constructed a highway through the Red Sea when Pharaoh's army was down on them. How can you forget how, can, how the Lord has led you in the past? So they were talking. But only talking about how hot the sun is. And we can't go door to door. They were only talking about how people are rude. And they slammed the door in, my, in our faces. They were only talking about 
How walking in the heat makes me sweaty. And I'm going to mess up my hairdo. They were talking about how people were hard to reach. And how we have done this before. It won't work again. They were talking all right. But talking about the obstacles. The impossibility. Not one step out to do anything. For 40 days they were afraid. For 40 days they were discouraged. For 40 days they see no way out. They saw trouble with no solution. They saw disease with no cure. They saw pain with no remedy. For 40 days the enemy defy the name of the living God. While the soldiers just watch and listen. Stay with me, church. I just stopped by here to let somebody know that my God is an on-time God. When you're going through stuff, don't think that trouble lasts always. My God is an on-time God. He may not come when you need him, but he'll be there right on time because my God is an on-time God. You see, God sent David. He sent David to preserve his name. He sent David to defend his character. He sent David to protect his image. Here is David, and David began to speak. He wasn't like the other soldiers. Listen to what the Holy Spirit revealed to me as I was putting this sermon together. He said, while David was just a little shepherd boy, he was now the newly appointed king. I thought about asking you that in a question and let you think about it. He was the youngest, but he was the king. He may have smelled like sheep, but he was the king. I was going to put it in a question form and said at this point when David was fighting the Philistine, who was the king in Israel? You see, God has anointed David and appointed him to this position. He may have, you know, he had no sword or spear, but God was with him. He had no armor, shield, but God was with his newly appointed king. You see, David was willing while the others were afraid. David was ready while the others were running. David, you see, he saw the vision for victory. The others saw defeat. The others saw obstruction. So David arrived on the scene. And he asked a question. What will be given to the man who dropped this ten foot giant and restored the name of God? What sets David apart from the other soldier was his vision for victory. For David was ready to end the delay. David was the last one to show up on the battlefield, but the first one to start talking about God. What are we talking about, church? When we gather together, what are we talking about? When we go to a workplace, what are we talking about? Even on the Sabbath, when we gather for lunch 
and, 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 and stuff like that. What are we talking about? He asks, who is this uncircumcised Philistine to defy the army of the living God? Oh, look at David now. He had a message in his mouth. He had life in his soul. He has Holy Ghost power in his heart and fire in his bones. He had a vision for victory. When others predict, were predicting trouble, when others saw ob obstacles that could not be overcome, David saw, when they saw a situation with no solution, David also saw the same, but sees himself victorious. On the other side, when others saw what was, David saw what could become. He didn't worry about the battle. He saw himself victor in the valley. David already saw what could become before the battle began. And this is a formula that we should embrace in our ministry for this church. We need to see the church assignment not for what it is, but for what it can become by the power of the Almighty God. We need to see a dead church, stalled as it may seem, but see it as a miracle territory for what the Lord can do for us. We need to see the obstacle, but also seize the opportunity. Come on, church. We need to see the disappointment, but also see an appointment for God to work because things happen when we have a vision for victory. God called us to be game changers. Did you know that? He called us to be game changing agents. That means you and I must traffic what others can't see. The text challenges us to be people of vision and mission. We must be officers who not only see half-empty church and chairs, but that, but, but that we must go to work to fill up these empty chairs. Everybody loves to be part of a big church. And so anyone can inherit a big church. But it takes character. It takes evangelism. It takes leadership. It takes worship. It takes management. It takes scholarship and relational skill to take this church from what it is to what it can be. Let us not be members and officers who settle for what is, but for what it can become. Look, David understood that the battle with Goliath is not something he was going to. You have to wake up now. David understood that the battle with Goliath is not something he was going to, but something he was going through. What am I saying? When you see, some, when you see yourself going to something, or to a trial, or to a battle, you think of it as your final destination. It could be the end. It could be your last chapter. 
But when you see yourself that this ball is just something that we are going through, then you see yourself victorious on the other side. Because you know that God can bring you through it. I stop by here to remind us as Christians that God can bring us through anything. To remind us that trouble don't last always. That better days are coming by and by. That this battle is not yours but the Lord. David would have us know that we don't walk in the valley. We don't walk to the valley rather. But we walk through the valley. Isaiah reminds us that we don't walk to the fire. But we walk through the fire. We live through seasons. And we work through tough situations. Because we serve a God that will bring us through. My God didn't just bring Moses to the Red Sea. But through the Red Sea. He didn't just bring the children of Israel to the wilderness. But through the wilderness. He brought the three Hebrews boys through the fire's furnace. He brought Daniel out of the lion's den. He brought Peter out of prison. He brought Paul through the storm. Yes, our God brought Lazarus from the grave. And early one Sunday morning, he brought Jesus up from the grave. That is why David can declare that though we walk through the valley and the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. How many of you know that God can bring you out? How many of you know that he brought us out of our despair? How many of us know that he brought us out of darkness? How many of us know that he brought us out of sickness? How many of us know that he brought us out of a bad relationship? How many of us know that he brought us out of bad habits? How many of us know that he brought us out of worry? And he will bring us out of our present situation. Tell yourself, I'm going through something, but I already see myself successful. Tell yourself, I'm going through something, but I already see myself wiser. Tell yourself, I may be going through something, but I already see myself better. You need to have a vision for victory before the battle begins. We need to see this church growing before it's full. Do I have an amen? We need to see ourselves running that campaign successfully before the opening night. We need to see ourselves anointed before we are appointed. We need to have a vision for victory for our lives. When David talked to the soldiers... He had a vision for victory before the battle began. He was not content with just, ex just, being, just to exist. He challenged us to be members of passion. The weapon that David carries was his ability to reject discouragement and negative vibes. You have to wake up now. This one is interesting. 
Listen to the conversation. His older brother Eliab was not happy with David. He was angry at David for being there. He said to David, why have you come down here in verse 28? And, and with whom have you left the few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride. He was mocking David's effort. He maligned David's intention. He ridicules David's plans and disrespect David's assignment. Because whenever the Lord gives you a vision to do something, the devil will always send somebody to try to discourage you. Did you know that? Somebody to try to slander you. Somebody to try to smear your character. Somebody to badmouth you and try to run you down. And he'll even use people in the church who you trusted. Visions and discouragement seems to travel together. There's always that someone to tell you it can't be done. There's always that someone to tell you that your motives aren't right. That your plans won't succeed. That not, that's not how it's done here. But notice that David didn't talk much on this, in this passage. It was his shortest conversation. Read it for yourself. He didn't try to persuade Eliab. Eliab. Some say Eliab, some say Eliab. He didn't try to explain himself to Eliab. He did not try to defend his vision at all to his brother or to gain the support of Eliab. For David understand that whatever, whenever you are working for the Lord, you have to learn to reject discouragement. Even when it comes from your own brethren. We can't live our lives by everyone's advice or be persuaded by everybody's opinion. We can't be discouraged by everybody's attitude. We need to have a vision for victory, saving grace. Because there are those people who will speak negativity to discourage you. But if you check them out, those are the same people. They never support anything that the church plans. They never want a soul for Christ. Never give any support for church evangelism. They try to tear down every plan to grow the church and to move forward. Yet, they want to speak at every level of the church. Therefore, like David, we are to reject their reasoning and move on with God's work. Okay, okay, let's get back to David's response to Eliab. David said, What have I done now? Don't miss that. Did you see that in the text? David said, what have I done now? For David to say, say that, it indicates that there must be a problem before. 
Don't miss the word now because the word now suggests that the older brother, the older brother always have a problem with David. Eliab is disqualified from contending with David because he is envious of David. He is jealous of David. In chapter 16, the Bible said that Samuel anointed David to be the future king over Eliab. And that was why Eliab was angry. Because he knew that the favor of God now rested on David and not him. And we must never underestimate how far jealous people will go to try to destroy you or tear you down when they know how much God has blessed you and favored you. Everyone in your corner doesn't have your back. Every smiling face ain't your friend. Everybody in the crowd ain't on your side. We are to understand that reality and know how to reject that kind of brutality and discouragement. Eliab is envious of David. Remember Jesus said, I am sending you forth a sheep among wolves. The sad reality though is that they look like sheep. The Bible called them wolf in sheep clothing. Eliab is not only envious of David, Eliab is intimidated by David. Listen to Eliab in, the, in verse 28. You come down here to watch the battle. Wait a minute. What battle? What? Was there any battle at this point? Was there any battle going on? Absolutely not. No battle was going on. All they were doing is, is talking. Did we miss something? At this point, there was no battle in the story. He is intimidated by David's presence because he knows that David was willing to do what he was not willing to do. You need to understand that some people are intimidated by your vision because you are disciplined enough to take the vision where they can only dream it could go. That's why if we are going to work together, we need to celebrate one another and not hit on each other. Church, I'm talking to you right now. We need to pray for one another and not pre on one another. We need to rejoice when the others do well because we are not in competition with one another. We are to complement each other because we are working together. Liab is envious. He's intimidated and also ignorant of David's assignment. Listen to the language that he brings. What brings you here? Who have who have you left those sheep with? Eliab did not know that daddy sent David an, an assignment. David 
have to reject his discouragement. Because Eliab is ignorant of his father's assignment. Therefore you have to, you have got to be selective in whom you listen to. Because people are always discerning of the father's will for you. People are not always discerning rather of the father's will for you. They don't realize how God has blessed you and how he is using you and how he is leading you. That's why you can't allow disgruntled brothers and sisters to discourage you. For they don't know the father's assignment for you. We need to have a vision for victory, church. And be ready to do something. We need to know how to reject discouragement and negative people. This is how David responded to Eliab. Negativity in verse 28. Is there not a cause? It is there in the text. David said, is there not a cause? David rejects his discouragement because he knows Eliab is not his fight. David had to reject his discouragement because he knows that we wrestled not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and power and rulers of the darkness. Therefore, there is a bigger battle going on than his brother. He knows there's a cosmic conflict going on. He is dealing with principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. He knows that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but spiritual. He knows that it is the battle between light and darkness, between um, right and wrong, between truth and error. And that is why we shouldn't spend time throwing stone at every dog that barks. Because your brother... Is not your battle. Your sister is not your battle. And every battle is not your fight. The Bible said, And the dragon was wrought with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed. That's our fight. Is there not a cause? The things that must keep us together is the mission of this church. It must keep us from division in the church. And by the way, there are still some things worth fighting for. Your salvation is worth fighting for. Fight! Your health and a balanced diet is worth fighting for. Fight! The work for lost soul is still worth fighting for. Fight! Christian education is worth fighting for. Fight! Religious right is worth fighting for. Fight! Equal rights for the oppressed. Equal rights for the depressed. The proclamation of the third angel's message is still worth fighting for. Fight! Our marriages are still worth fighting for. Fight! Is there not a cause? Third weapon that David used. David refused to be defined 
by the limitation of expectation of other people. Did you get that? David refused to be defined by the limitation of expectation of other people. For when David was interviewed by King Saul, the king told him he didn't have the experience to go up against a giant. After all, he is a warrior, David, from his youth. But David is just, David, you are just a boy. Where is your fighting experience, David? Goliath has defeated many. He has been fighting longer than you are alive. He has never been defeated and surely you won't defeat him. This was King Saul's. But David refused to be defined by the limitation and expectation that King Saul placed on him. David understood that there are people like that who will run the list on you of everyone who has tried and failed. Stay with me now. You have to wake up. Of everyone who have diagnosed and died. Of everyone who gave it their best shot but came up short. Of everyone who want it but couldn't. Of people who dream but never see it come to pass. People will run the list of everyone who stands in your shoes and fail. And use their experience, their experiences to place limitation on you. When you think about it, David got, David got to refuse. David has got to refuse being defined by people his entire life. Did you know that? Remember when his father Jesse was asked to bring all his sons to the anointing service? David wasn't invited. He has never invited, he was never invited to the interview. It was after Samuel run through all Jesse's son, all Jesse's seven sons, and God rejects them all, that Samuel asked, if he had any other son, that's when he sent for David. He was an afterthought. His father didn't see kingship in him. Even though God has already put it in him. Eliab, his brother, was against him. Even though the favor of God was with him. Stay with me, church. King Saul had little expectation of him because he didn't know that God's anointing was on him. Goliath disdained disdain him because he didn't realize that the power of God could work through him. That's why you should never wait until everybody affirms you when you already know what God calls you to do. Some people put, some people don't mind you being blessed. Listen to me now. Some people don't mind you being blessed as long as the blessing don't exceed their limitation and expectation they put on you. Some people can't rejoice for a brother or sister's achievement. Oh, the brother 
Our sister finishes their degree. Some of us can't rejoice. They are mad because you have started to climb the ladder higher. They are mad because you are engaged in something bigger. They are mad because you have accomplished and finished your schooling. But David's life teaches us to shake off the limit. Come on, shake off the limit. Shake it off, saving grace. You need to refuse to be defined by others. Shake it off. Someone once says, there are infinite possibilities in small beginning when God is in it. There is no limit to the usefulness of one who sets himself aside and make room for the working of the Holy Spirit upon his heart and live a life wholly consecrated to God. For when we walk with the Lord, come on now, in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way while we do his good will. He abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. God has always given his children undeniable evidence when he walks with me and he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. And the joy that we share. And, uh, and the joy that we share as we tarry there. None other has ever known. And that's why we need to refuse to be defined by people who place limitation on you. Listen to David now. Talk to me, David. David said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Shake it off. Shake off the limit. For if you don't, if you let others define you, you may never know what God can do through you. So Saul said to David, you can't beat Goliath, for you are a boy, but he's a fighting machine. David said, I need to tell you something, O king. J just hear me for a moment. I know you are, you are the, the highest right here, and I know it's your last word that go, but I just need to tell you something. I just need to tell you about the God that I serve. I just need to tell you how my God come true for me. You see, King, one day I was in the field with my father's sheep. And a lion grabbed one of my little lambs. And I went after it and I struck it, I struck it, and I struck it until it dropped the little lamb and then it turned on me. And I grabbed it by the beard and I struck it and I struck it and I struck it until it died. And oh king, also that's not enough. One, another day I was there and a hungry bear grabbed one of my sheep and picked it up and started to run. And I run it down and I hit it and I hit it 
and I hit it until it dropped the, the sheep. And then it too turned on me. And so I grabbed it and I fought with it. And I struck it so hard until it died. And I am just saying, O oh king, if God, if God can protect me from the lion and the bear, certainly this uncircumcised Philistine is no match for me. For if God brought you this far, he can take you all the way. Look over your life. And you can see how God has led you from victory to victory. Because the only thing we would have to fear for the future is if we forget how the Lord has led us in the past. We have come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord, trusting in his holy word, holy name. He never fails me yet. After all, after all that, you have been true. Look at yourself. After all that you have been true, look at yourself. After all that you have been true, you're still here, Harold. After all the fights that you have been through, saving grace, you're still here. After all the sleepless night and worry, you're still here. After all the broken dreams, you're still here. After all the pain and the agony, you're still here. This is because you have been anointed and the hands of the Lord is on you. Will you say amen? So Saul said, David, since you are going to go, why don't you put on this armor? But after he puts it on, he could not walk in it. So David took it off and said, I have not tested this. It's in the scripture. It's in, the, it's in there. He said, I have not te tested this. Don't worry, king. My God, who helps me defeat the lion and the bear, will help me to defeat and drop this uncircumcised giant. Because he defies the name of God. So David went out with his sling and five little stones. David had a strategy. And he wasn't about to let the size of his problem change his tragedy. Don't let the size of your problem change your tragedy. So he looked, he took his place in the valley. And here comes the noise. Here comes the vibration. Here comes the crowd. It was Goliath of God. And when he saw David, he was insulted. He was disappointed. But little did he know that God was with David. And so David relies on God. And that is what gave him the victory. Do I need to elaborate on that? I don't think so. I don't think so. Verse 45, David said, 
You come to me with swords and with spear and with javelin, but I come to you in the name of, the, of God Almighty. And so all the assembles shall know this day that the Lord don't save with swords or spear. For the battle, say it with me, saving grace. For the battle is the Lord, and he will give you in my hand this day. Then David reached into his bag and took out how many stones? One stone. And placed it in the, his sling. And with the guided hand of God, he brought the giant down. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord. He had a vision for victory. He was willing to be used by God. And he made himself available. And what a great victory that the Lord has wrought through a willing little shepherd boy. One who wasn't, um, one who wasn't, he wasn't afraid. He wasn't invited. But David was willing to take up the cross. And to follow God. Saving grace. We have work to do. But with God all things are possible. We have people to talk to. And with God all things are possible. We can do it. All he needs is our willingness. And our availability. Like David, we can accomplish much. But if we sit back and do nothing, nothing won't happen. Let us, re let us reject discouragement. Let us reject people who define us and limit us. Let us reach for the star. We can do it. In closing, I try to remember this story story was told after a father rather read this story and he asked his little boy who do you think was the bravest in this story and the little boy said Goliath and he, he said I don't understand and he, 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 he told him the story again and he asked him the question, who do you think was the bravest in this story? And the little boy responded again, Goliath. And he said, what do you mean? He said, because it takes great bravery to go up against the army of God. My friend, Jesus want to do something great with us. You want to do something big for us. I don't know if you've seen the vision. But I can see it. He is asking us. To avail ourselves. So he can use us. We have the opportunity. We have everything that we need. And with God all things are possible. So saving grace, let us join hands with God. And we can make the impossible possible.
Because with Jesus in the vessel, we can truly smile at the storm. May God bless you and keep you as you think about this story and how we can allow God to use us. Thank you for listening to today's message. We are always encouraged to know how God is working through this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email at podcast at saviinggracesda.org. As the Holy Spirit impresses you, you may also support this ministry financially by visiting saviinggracesda.org.